You're listening to the Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Rini, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the Parenting Junkie. Yay! You guys, if we could jump through a screen, we would probably do it to one another just to give a big hug and to all of you listening. So thank you for having me, Avital. I am so happy to be here. 100% virtual hug. Um, So Rini, for anyone who has been living under a rock and doesn't know of the incredible work that you're doing with Gozen, can you tell everyone a little bit about maybe the backstory first, and then also what you're doing today. Oh, the backstory. What's the backstory of what everybody does? Everybody is probably trying to heal heal their inner child. So, you know, I was a super anxious kid and I was constantly worrying about different things. Really, it was a variety of anything that would worry me. So, you know, what if I fail this test? What if I say something weird? What if they see that I'm different? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? My world was filled with what ifs. And I have amazing, loving, compassionate, awesome parents that had no idea what to say to me, right? You're great. You're fine. We love you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're this. You know, they gave me a lot of that type of praise. Um, We always have your back, which is amazing, right? That kind of support is, I do not take it for granted. I didn't even back then. I certainly don't now. But I can tell you when it came to my anxiety, it was not fruitful. It did not help me. And eventually, you know, this started for me as a a really young kid. I must have been six or seven, my earliest memories of being this warrior. And so I uh, realized that my parents were suffering along with me because they felt helpless. You know, they didn't know what to say, what to do. They could tell that whatever they're doing wasn't helping So I just stopped telling them. I did, I think one of the things that kids do that to me is one of the scariest things that you can do, which is just to pretend like everything's okay. So eventually I got to the point where I realized that if I pretended like everything was okay, then they were sort of okay too. You know, they kind of knew everything probably wasn't okay, but they were happy to hear that it was (laughs) because they didn't know what to do. So how is school, Rini? Fine. What about friends and stuff? Yeah, fine. You know, everything's fine. And what's interesting about adopting, you know, everything is fine in your life is that, sure, you can keep the bad stuff out for a while, but you begin to keep the good stuff out too. So I just became a robot, kind of emotionally stoic, you know, because I didn't want to feel pain anymore. And so I did that for a good, I would say like at least a decade and a half, maybe. I was in my mid-20s. I was in a bad relationship, to be honest with you, (laughs) Um, going through a breakup, you know, as I think many people in their lives have been in one of those, and facing this huge challenge. But I never learned how to deal with challenges, right? I never learned the skills of resilience. I never knew it was a skill. I thought you were just born resilient or you weren't. And so at that time, I began to have panic attacks. Oh my goodness. For all kids who have ever had a panic attack, I feel you. I feel your fear. I feel your pain. I feel you clutching your chest, thinking something very bad is happening because that's what started happening to me. And I would literally run myself to the ER and tell the doctor that I'm having a heart attack. And he would say to me, how old are you? And I was like 24 or something at the time. And he would say, all right, well, I'll run the tests, but you're not having a heart attack. It's very, very rare at this age. And I remember one day him coming back and saying, listen, you had another panic attack. You need to make a change. And so I did. I went to therapy. And it was the first time in my life that, you know, that I could afford it, frankly, you know, when we were growing up, but we couldn't, I don't even know if my parents would have put me in therapy, but, you know, we didn't have the resources anyway. And so I was blessed to end up in therapy. And as I'm, you know, lying on the sofa, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you are teaching me every single thing that I needed to know when I was seven years old. And why couldn't I have learned it? What was preventing me from learning it? 
just language, just the way that you teach it. And so I, you know, at the time I had a degree in finance, I was running a technology company, I left all of that. And I was like, I don't have a time machine, but I am going to teach every single kid that will listen the skills that I wish I had when I was a kid. And that's the story in the birthing of Gozen. So we so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. We keep going. What were you going to tell us? I was going to say, yeah, you know, we I just I create these programs basically that kids can watch. They're cartoons. They're play based. They're fun. They're engaging. Sometimes they're funny. You know, they're not for every kid, but they're for a lot of kids. And we teach skills that you would learn if you were blessed enough to end up in therapy, right? We teach skills from the science of positive psychology, from neuroscience, from the fields of mindfulness you know, from um, old wives' tales that our our moms have taught us, all the ancient wisdom that has been passed down. And we teach it and we wrap it up into a form that makes sense to kids. And so that's what we do. We create animated programs. And then we have, for parents, we have events and masterclasses and podcasts and other things to support parents like my parents that I think back on that needed help supporting their kids. Oh my gosh. And who doesn't? I mean, I definitely do. And I love your podcast. And um, for anyone listening, you have to head over to, in fact, just pause this right now and go listen to Zero Anxiety. It is so beautiful and so helpful. Thank so Rina, I would love to use this time um, with you, this precious time with you to talk about the types of things that I'm struggling with personally in my own life with my children yeah. and things that you see other clients of yours struggle with. And just maybe you can give us a little mini, mini lesson so that we can, um, we can take away some, some actionable ideas of how to handle emotions. I think we're all on this never ending lifelong journey to figure this language that we never really learned so well out. And I just want to share, it's so interesting. You talk about this anxiety in childhood and I had a lot of anger in childhood when my mom reflects now, and I also have amazing, compassionate, beautiful, giving, generous parents. Um, But they were just kind of stunted by my anger. My mom describes me as an angry baby, you know, like I was an angry baby, an angry toddler, explosive tantrums and of course I've been lucky enough to have a child who has that same disposition (laughs) Mm -hmm. so karma has had its way with me um but you know even with all the learning that I'm doing it's it's a big struggle for me to 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 peacefully you know handle and regulate in the face of such explosive emotion yeah um, and it's been my adult journey to to master that. I've always been described as ultra sensitive, overly sensitive, too emotional. And today I'm, I feel very, very, very calm, very, a lot of equanimity um, relative to what I used to feel. However, I still have that, um, you know, big highs, big lows. I have like a, um, an amplified volume on emotion, I think, relative to a lot of other people, you know. Yeah, I'm you know, that you I come across that a lot as well. I hope that you see that now as a gift. You know, in many ways, I those in my life and myself included who have had that kind of sensitivity and passion end up being the best friends, the most empathetic, the most wonderful listeners, right? Because you're so attuned to all of the emotions around you. Um, You're probably, you know, I would say an empath and that you are able to really pick up on the feelings of yourself and others around you. So it can be a gift. You know, I know it also obviously can be a double-edged sword (laughs) to have that, absorbing the emotions of, of others around you. But yeah, who in their life to some degree or another, doesn't deal with anger, doesn't deal with frustration. And I think that the starting point for something like that is to really, truly, authentically make peace with the idea that this is part of our humanity. I do not believe that we have made peace with that idea. I do not believe that we have made peace with the idea that stress is part of our humanity, that every feeling is here for a reason, and that it's not good or bad. It is literally neutral. I know that sounds crazy because the words associated with anger are explosive. The thoughts associated with anger are manage it. You know, 
forget timeouts because we don't do that anymore based on the research. We're very conscious, but now we do time ins, right? But what is the message that we are sending to our kids? The feelings that you're having, they're not really acceptable, right? Right now, I need you to go into this beautiful calm down corner that I've made for you. And when you have acceptable feelings, come back out into the world. And so no matter how hard we try, unless we are explicitly teaching our children that they need to change their, not their anger, but their relationship with it, unless we're explicitly teaching that, I don't think we're making change in this area. And it is really, really hard to do. So when it comes to, you know, I know we want to get practical. I know we want to help parents. But when it comes to these things, no matter what age someone is that comes to, you know, to work with us at Gozen, it doesn't really matter. Honestly, you can be five or you can be 95. I say, listen, if you came to me and you said, I want to lose some weight, and I said to you, well, are you exercising? And you said, no, I would be like, okay, well, you're missing like a very primary ingredient of, you know, being healthy, right? This is something that we know from like years and years of research that exercising is good for maintaining, you know, a good body weight for yourself and health. So I would say this about emotions. If you do not have a character for every single one of your emotions, you are missing a very vital, fundamental way to relate to how you are feeling. I don't care if you're five, I don't care if you're approaching 100, you need a character. Okay, so they, thankfully, I don't think Disney for a lot of things or Disney Pixar for a lot of things, but they made this movie Inside Out, right? And they created these characters that represent some of our fundamental emotions, anger, joy, disgust, right? And so kids really, really get this now because of that movie, that there is an embodiment. You are giving feeling, you are making something palpable, and you are creating a character that you can talk to. Because all of those characters are part of who we are. So the first step when we're dealing with any emotion, stress, anger, you know, negative, negativity, sadness, jealousy, guilt, like any of them, and I'm listing the ones that we typically consider to be quote unquote negative, is that you have a character that you have named, right? So what, ask yourself, what is the name of my angry part of myself. Name it whatever you want. For kids, I often help them by giving them a name, you know. Um, this is a tried and true therapeutic technique. So a lot of therapists will say, no, you know, let your child name their emotion themselves. And that's okay too. But for anger, for example, we call it fury. And we actually draw, you know, what fury looks like and draw the color so that we can give dimension to something that already has dimension, right? So what kids are doing when they're creating this character is they are externalizing and creating space between who it is they are and the feelings that they have. And why is that important? Because we're doing emotions all wrong. I'm, you know, I hate to make really strong statements. Oh, I love it. Make it. <laughs> But I'm going to say that we're doing emotions all wrong. Let's have an emotions 101 class. Have you ever, Avital, have you ever felt angry for, let's say, eight weeks straight? Ever? No. Impossible, right? It is not the way that emotions work. Emotions come into your system. They deliver a message. They're like a text message to the soul. And they're like, listen, I have a message for you. It's fury. It's anger. I want to let you know that someone has actually violated your boundaries. And that is why I am here. I want some attention. And if you're going to stuff me down and ignore me, I'm going to do various things to you. You know, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to repeat some thoughts in your head. I might make you manifest anger by yelling and screaming. All I want is some attention. Okay, so, so here's fundamental one, number one. Emotions come and go. They're transient. They are not meant to sit in us. And as demonstrated by the question, have you ever felt a feeling for you know, eternity? They are not permanent, right? Fundamental number two, you need to have a relationship with this particular emotion. So whether it's anger or whether it's stress, you need to have a relationship with it and understand 
the upsides. There has been a tremendous marketing campaign for decades when it comes to stress that will tell you regularly that stress kills you. You know, stress kills. Oh my goodness, are you stressed out, Avital? Are you stressed? Because guess what? That's going to kill you. By the way, does it make sense to you that if you're stressed and I tell you it's going to kill you, that you feel more stressed? I'll it's pretty silly. Immediately, right? <laughs> yeah, immediately. You're like, oh my, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I have to get my stress down, right? No, That's I'm stressful, so right? <laughs> yeah, I feel so stressed. I feel so stressed. It's like when you have to meditate. Wait a second, I didn't get my meditation in. It's so stressful. <laughs> it's silly. It's silly. So listen, there is obviously chronic maladaptive stress out there that's bad for your heart and bad for your body. But there are mountains of research studies that show us the adaptive values of stress. So we need to get the science right. The science of well-being shows us it's okay to be angry. Can you believe it? It's okay to be stressed. In fact, in many, many situations, stress can work to your advantage. So let's, again, let me recap. Number one, understand for your kids and for yourself, all emotions are okay. Number two, they're transient. They come and go. And the reason they come and go is because they want to send a message. Number three, you need to have a character for each of those because you need to create a relationship. And how better to create a relationship? You're not going to create a relationship with some abstract thought or feeling in your stomach, right? You're going to create a relationship with a character, especially for kids. And I can tell you, you know, if we're just focusing on kids, I work with kids of all ages and they all take to this. So, you know, it's a matter of making it relevant and the character relevant in their life. Mm -hmm. So those are all the things, those are all of the starting points. And before I go any further, I'd love to ask yeah. a few questions. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, first of all, I love everything you just said. And it's just so funny, really, because, you know, I'm in this field uh, of talking about mindfulness and parenting and stuff, but then when it's your own kids and your own anger and stuff, it becomes so blurred. And I know, I know that anger is allowed. And mm -hmm. I still have voices of actually qualified psychologists who I know who tell me anger is destructive. Anger mm -hmm. is not allowed. Uh, you know, um, anger is corrosive to relationships and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I still have that urge, especially when my child is angry, to shut it down. And I still mm -hmm. have the shame when I'm angry that, oh, I shouldn't have gotten angry. It wasn't okay, etc. And then there's also the difficulty differentiating between the emotion and how it manifests, right? Like, mm -hmm. yes, anger is allowed. You're still not allowed to hit your brother. Or maybe you're still not allowed to say hateful things to your family members, even mm -hmm. if that's an expression. Like, is there such a thing as anger is allowed, but I, I'm not going to let you express it in any way that you so choose? Yes. So obviously we have to keep our bodies safe, right? Especially when it comes to kids and, and this the stuffing down of emotions that's coming out like in rage, right? Wow. You know, and we don't want them to hit. We don't, don't want them punching walls. We want to keep our body safe. We want them to be safe. So all of those things, 100% for sure. But I think when you start to doubt the value of anger, and I'm going to say that again, because it sounds so, oh my goodness, value. Yeah. Yes. The value of anger. First, start off by asking yourself two questions. So Avital, I'm going to, going to ask you, when's the last time you got angry? Yesterday yesterday okay what happened um just you know you can yeah, be vague I'm just to, you know what I got angry this morning I'm remembering that more clearly um okay. we were late I had to get out I was saying several times that uh we need to get in the car and everyone usually buckles themselves and they weren't buckled and we had to leave and I was like buckle yourself already you know I kind of okay. exploded that yeah Okay. So you were in the car. Everyone's like, like not buckling. And you're like, you know, you go into the growl mode. Yes. Buckle yourself up. Come on. Yes. We do this every day. We do this every day. Yeah. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. What were you trying to protect? Um, my, my time, the rest of my day. Not okay. being a knock off, a knock on effect that everything gets thrown off because of dawdling. Okay. Your time and your day, right? And these are important things. I would say, I would venture to say, you know, that 99% of the time when we are feeling fury, when we are feeling the anger come up, it is protection. Our boundaries have somehow been violated. And the boundaries include our integrity, you know, the boundaries include our values, the boundaries include our time, the boundaries include respect. And when that shield that we have around us that keeps us in 
integrity and honor of ourselves, when that shield gets pierced, well, the anger is coming up to say, hey, someone is violating your boundaries, right? So when we, that is the value of anger, that to keep your boundaries, right? That is the value of anger. So let's always come back to what the value of anger is. Now, in terms of it manifesting, yeah, I mean, look, when we see people who are being rude, when we see kids who are being disrespectful, when we see them hitting, immediately our, our minds are like racing. Oh my goodness, this child has an anger problem. Like we need to quash this, right? This is horrible. Yeah. This, is, this is the relationship that needs work between this child and their anger, right? The, the relationship there needs work, right? The ability to communicate. So for example, I have a child myself that will often scream things that she doesn't mean, right, during the angry state. So one interesting thing about the science of anger is it actually physically makes you speak faster and your thoughts race faster, right? So you actually talk faster. So things speed up essentially in anger, right? Because again, remember it's protection. So it's trying to protect you. So it's speeding up like, okay, let me quick to, you know, quick to protect myself. Yes. Okay. So when my child does this, right, because I've had, and now this takes a lot of practice. And by the way, like you, I'm very passionate. I'm a Scorpio, right? And I live up to all of whether, whether you believe, you know, in star signs or not, I live up to all of the typical Scorpio traits, or I can be extremely emotional. I did not know you were Scorpio. That makes a lot of sense. So I say to her, Jasmine, my daughter, sounds like you're saying you're floating thoughts, you know, Um, because I tell her that, listen, when we get angry, we have a lot of thoughts that float by and we don't need to say them because guess what? Those are the thoughts that you don't mean. Those are fury likes to exaggerate because she wants attention. You know, your anger wants attention. So you're saying things that you obviously would never say in a time of calm or peace. And so I will say to her, you're saying you're floating thoughts. Now, I can only say this to her in the moment because I've explained it to her outside of the moment. Yes. In the moment is not a teaching moment if you've never explained it to them, right? They're not, their brain's hijacked, their body's hijacked, you're hijacked. It's not a teaching moment. Although somehow as parents, we regularly forget it's not a teaching moment and we are literally delivering the lesson like in our growling voice. Yeah. Lecture of all time. That never yes. Yeah. Let me tell you something, yeah. you know, with our hands. And Listen to me. Listen to yeah. me. How many times do I have to say this? Yes. So just you have control over you in that moment, right? You have control over you. And let me tell you, it gets my daughter so angry that I'm not losing control. Yes. How do you have that power? But after many, 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 many times of modeling it for her, one out of, let's say, 50 times when she does it, she'll say to me, either in the middle of her meltdown or right after, mommy, I was saying my floating thoughts. And what that means to me is she's learning. She's learning. We're all learning. And if we never learn this as kids, we're learning it as adults. And for goodness sake, have some compassion for yourself. No one ever gave us this emotional education. You know, we are now re-educating ourselves. It's going to be easier for our kids to learn. So please be kind to yourself you know, be kind to yourself. It's going to take time to learn. It might take us until we're in the grave, honestly. There's so much to unlearn, 100%. Rini, can you give it, how old is your daughter, by the way? She is seven. She's going on 75 or something. I know, yeah. (laughs) Eight going on 18 year old. Um, And can you give us some examples of the type of floating thoughts that you mean? Like what are the, like what are the worst things? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you're the worst mom in the history of moms. She knows what I do. So, you know, like I would call my daughter an old soul. So she probably says some things that maybe, maybe not a typical seven-year-old might say, but she says things like, who would ever come to go Zen? Who would ever come to you to calm themselves down? She literally goes for like, she goes for a dagger in the heart. It is so Uh, funny. Really? My son says the exact same thing. I'm not kidding. You know what he says to me whenever he's angry, and this is almost regular, you know, almost daily. Like he'll have one episode of anger. He'll be like, 
you know, you're the worst mom ever. You know, you are tricking all those other parents. You, you don't teach them how to be good parents. You teach them how to ruin kids' lives. Oh <laughs> my goodness. He because you call yourself the parenting junkie. This, this is the, I swear. It's like, <laughs> no, I, I got, he's like, oh, how about you make a video about this? Huh? How about you? <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, that is amazing. Okay. They are so insightful, right? Yes. Because what's happening is they are feeling the pain inside. So when we have that pain in us and we are not versed in having a relationship and talking to our anger, which is what we need to do, then we just basically want to hurt the other person. It's primal, right? And so if we know if somehow we've self-regulated enough not to be biting and hitting, then we're, then we're throwing daggers with words and kids are fantastic at it. Mm. And what will disarm them honestly in a moment is if you just absorb them and you're like, okay, yeah, I hear you. That's like, you're saying your floating thoughts. I repeat myself Mm -hmm. because otherwise I start to lose it too, you know, and repetition really helps me if I have my mantras that I say over and over. And sometimes that angers like my daughter even more, you know, stop yeah. saying that. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Stop saying yeah. the floating words. Stop things. trying to get me to calm down. It's not going to work. Yes. Yeah. And I will just sit in ohm sometimes. I'll just be yes. like, ohm, ohm. Stop ohming. <laughs> ohm. Stop ohming. Stop yes. ohming. Oh my gosh, really, I can't tell you how you've warmed my heart to hear that you are going through the exact same thing as me. I mean, it's not very nice that I'm like, oh yeah, you really, really experienced No, too. totally. You know I, I mean? regularly so say, yeah, it, right? it's not utopia in my house. I mean, I would say that some of my work is probably insightful because of my personal experience, you know? A hundred percent. And you know, that actually really helps me personally. And I know not everyone listening can relate to this, but I think you could take this to any work that you do is when I'm in the situation, I have this kind of split uh, attention where on the one hand, yes, I'm just a vital the mom in this difficult situation with her child. And on the other hand, I'm like observing the anthropologist or the scientist, like, what can I learn from here? How can I grow from here? How can I apply this in other areas of my life? You know, how can I take this to my community and enrich other people? It, it kind of does help me to, to stay centered. I actually think that can help everyone. I actually think that if you consider yourself to be a detective, an anthropologist, someone who is uncovering, and you and you need a physical cue for that almost sometimes to remind yourself, like, tilt your head to the side or something and be like, hmm, you know, Mm. say something like, hmm, because it is fascinating to watch, right? If you are able to step out of it and have an out-of-body experience, which is what we are asking you to have, so that you're not mom, right? You're watching yourself and you're watching this child. There's so much learning to be had. Yes. And I always like to, I, I think that really helps me also to, to unpack my stories. Cause when a child's having a tantrum like that or saying mean things, all your stories are, you've got to make it stop. You've got to end it. But if you step into a detective mode, it's actually fascinating and intriguing and you don't need to make it stop. You can go through the process and go through the journey because it's, it's, I always say like, imagine you're watching like the most incredible Cirque du Soleil, you know, exhibition, you know, a show and treat it with that same like focus and that same attention and that same interest and that same curiosity like what's going to happen next how does this um you know evolve what that helps me stay a little bit more zen I have to share with you apropos this I felt like I had such a breakthrough with my son this this week he had one of these episodes and usually at some point during his angry um expression, I will get triggered. So at some point I'll grip my teeth or at some point I'll answer back like a little kid. Like I can't keep Zen throughout. I could do pretty good, but then he'll just do the right thing. And I'll just be at that point and I'll, and I'm always like, oh, no, 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 you know, but anyway, at this, this particular one, I actually didn't get triggered. And I, he was just, you know, throwing all the regular things, trying to provoke his little sibling, saying mean things, to, you know, I hate you and you're the worst mom ever and that type of thing. And I just said, we're going, we're going to go to a different room because we need to calm down. So we were doing a time in. I did feel I have to remove him from the situation. Mm-hmm. Went to his room, didn't want to go, but I kind of like, no, we are going. And I made him go into his room and I just sat there and I just sat there and I just waited. And 
one thing that I managed to do was completely kind of tune out the things he was saying and just envision and energetically send him that kind of primal, original bonding attachment love that I was able to access so easily when he was a baby, you know, just be like, this is my baby. Mm-hmm. And I just opened my arms. I just kind of sat there like this and I looked at him and I was like, I know, like, I know you're so angry. I'm here for a hug. Like I'm listening. Just a very, very open, I was just in a very open state. And at some point I kind of like took his hand and pulled him towards me and he just lay on me and he lay on me and he was on the one hand still angry. Like he still had that, like, no, I don't really want to be on you. On the other hand, really, he just lay on my chest for a good half an hour. Oh my goodness. You know? And he was, it was just so empowering to me to not get entangled in the words and the behaviors and just go straight to the gut and that it was like a skin on skin with an eight-year-old you know like okay just lie on your mommy you know melt and as he was lying there he was angry but I was just like stroking him with the gentlest fingers and he was melting and then it actually turned into a full-fledged like wrestling match because that's mm-hmm. what he needs like he needs like mm-hmm. pressure he needs to be able to get those feelings up but we were giggling like it went from like calm hugging to wild laughter to like aggressive wrestling and you know what he said to me every single day since then when do we, we get do, to that do that again, again? Yeah. Can we do that again? Yeah. yeah. I think you bring up a very important point, which is, I mean, you bring up many, many important points, but baby play is so incredibly important, even for teenagers. I know that sounds bizarre, like how am I going to wrestle with my, you know, like 15 year old, but that type of connection never, we, we never not desire it, right? We desire it our, our entire lives. And so it can be such an an important and quick way to reconnect with our kids. So, and amazing that you were able not to be enmeshed, right, in in the whole getting into the moment of like what he was going through and you were able to step out of that and be who he needed you to be, right, in that moment and be for yourself who you want to be and you are, right? And you are able to step into that role. It's like amazing and beautiful. I really think that what happens a lot of times when we are getting triggered is that we are just, you know, one of the thoughts that I always have is, oh my goodness, what am I doing wrong? Like, where am I failing here? Why are we going through this again? Right? Like, what is is not working? Right? So it's like, I begin to personally attack myself. And those personal attacks trigger me into then you know projecting back out to my child and so if we're just aware of that right if we're just aware of that their experience is their experience and it might take them years to figure it out you know and the progress needs to be measured in years and not in days and not in our own we're making up we we make up the benchmarks all the time we're like oh well i've told you three times so you should know like, who, who said you're eight years old so this shouldn't be happening yeah you're eight, yeah oh mind. yeah that's always like, the eight classic year old shouldn't have tantrums that's why yeah. like I mean psychologists have told me that like he's too old for this behavior and I'm like but he has this behavior yeah but, like what <laughs> do you know what I yeah. mean like, oh yeah he should have like yeah because you know we have all of the averages and stuff yeah right. no you know you you know your child and and you know yourself too I think it's super important that we just don't put them in those boxes. Those are the kind of things that they remember too. Those are the kind of floating thoughts that we need to let float by. Mm -hmm. I know I've certainly said it to my kids. Oh my goodness. Are you seriously five years old? Like no five-year-old would do this, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 When we shame them. I know. Totally. You know what? And it's amazing because what you were saying before, he will always he I've not used the term floating thoughts although I love that term but I've often said like when anger takes over we say all sorts of things that we don't mean and the the key is that when we feel those angry things bubbling up that's a cue for us to take a break from the situation and try Mm -hmm. and figure ourselves out try and figure out what's going on and what needs to happen differently and he always has these sentences, you know, I hate you, or you're the worst mom ever, or mean things to his siblings, or just growling noises that are destructive to the people around him. I mean, I don't take mm-hmm. it personally at all. I really mm-hmm. don't. But I still mm-hmm. think that it's a life skill that's really important to learn, not to mm-hmm. speak from anger. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I think what we can do outside of the moment is really, I, I really encourage role playing, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that like your child will actually do it and get involved. A lot of times kids want to play their parents. They think it's mm-hmm. funny and hilarious mm-hmm. and it's a way to get back. Let me show you how awful you are because I'm yes. going to be you and show you how, what you're like to us. Right. But that because the the replacement of the words or the holding in, the restraining of like saying those things, that requires practice. Yes. And where do they get the practice? No. They don't get the practice, right? And we're not teaching them a lot of times all of these skills until like we have a need. Like there's been a big meltdown. Okay, wait, let me sit and teach you like how not to say this stuff and what to say instead. So I really think that it's important, like let's say that you're your son is saying you're the worst mom ever that after when things have chilled out you know and you're able to have a conversation and he's able to acknowledge yeah I'm saying something I don't mean of course you're not the worst mom ever yes that you're able to say to him yeah I know that I'm not and that's okay but it's still hurtful you know and you could hurt people with your words and I wonder when you're in that situation because you seem to do it over and over again Mm -hmm. it's a habit yeah. Um, how we can change that habit. Like what else could you do in that moment? Right. And can we practice basically? It requires practice. Yes. We're missing the practice. Mm-hmm. So you, re- you recommend practicing um, when calm in role play. So like pretend, remember, you're, pretend yes. you're angry right now, that type of yeah. thing. And I'm angry and you're the parent, that type of thing. Like, yeah. So you can okay. either switch roles or you can be who you are and you can say, okay, we're going to try try it a different way, right? Like maybe yeah. there, maybe there's a replacement statement. Yes. Like, I wish you weren't doing this to me. So one of the replacement statements that I've given to my kids is um, instead of your mean, mm-hmm. uh, you're beha- because they really want to say it, you know, yeah. they want to say you're mean or you're a mino. Now my kids yeah. are six and seven, you know, so those yeah. are the yeah. words that they're using. Yes. Um, I asked them to say, well, you're calling me a name, right? And you're attaching it to me. And that's hurtful. So maybe you can say the thing that I did was mean. Mm-hmm. And that would be a little bit of a shift. I wish they wouldn't say either of those things, frankly, right? right? But <laughs> at least... Or just think I'm perfect at all times. That's true, <laughs> because I am. Um, let the, like, say my behavior is mean. And my daughter will actually say, oh, your behavior is very mean right now, you know? And so she's learning, right? And so this is like, again, it, I mean, I wish she'd rather her not say it at all. Yeah. But she is able now with practice because we practiced it yeah. to say the replacement statement, but it does yeah. take practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I once asked my son, I was like, you know, I noticed that once you start getting angry, if I say to you, let's take a break or let's calm ourselves down, let's take deep breaths, you know, we've learned all these different techniques. He's not interested in, in doing any of those techniques because he's already on this spiral. And it's very hard to pause that once it's go. Sometimes I just give up and I'm just like, I'm just going to wait this out. He's going to say yeah. all the things. He's going to do all the things. I'll stop him hurting his siblings. And that will be that. Yeah. But it's, it takes so long and it takes so much energy. And I don't think he feels good after that. I feel, I think he feels like hungover and I think he needs the skills to yes, listen to the anger, honor it, like use it as you're saying, listen to the message, but no, not get swept away by it. And I asked him a while ago, a year ago, like what would help him in that moment? Cause I, I see I'm not being effective. Like I say to you, can you go and, and, and relax on the couch? Can you go and do some breathing? Can you sit on my lap? Like, you don't want to do any of it. What can we do? And he said, make this sign. And he made a heart with his hands. Oh. And he goes, go like this to me. And that will be our code to, to take deep breaths and calm down. And it was really insightful because I think sometimes I, at least, and he, him, sometimes our words get us like we can't really use words in those situations. Like we communicate much better sensorily or visually. Like he responds to my face. And if my face is angry or frustrated, but I'm saying, let's calm down. It feels fake and disjointed. And he's just not, you know, I can't necessarily really, but if I, but so yeah, so he came up with this code and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But the most beautiful thing is that my daughter, my my four-year-old was having a, a big kind of, you know, angry um, episode this week and he said just one minute and he ran into the kitchen to her and he made this sign he goes oh me and have goodness. a sign that and he made this sign so at her cute. and they came out together you know like arm in arm and it was just so sweet it was like become this family uh little la- sign language that helps us to calm down it was so I cool. love the sign language because 
honestly, you can't process much more than that anyway, right? And that's amazing that he came up with him it himself. And I do believe like there are the different love languages. There are absolutely the different empathy languages, mm-hmm. you know, how do you want me to help you in this situation is like, you tell me what your empathy language is. And for him, it's, it's symbolic, you know, for others, it's come put your arm around me. For a lot of kids, it's like, do not touch me. You know, I am in this situation, like no touch, just hold space for me. You know, but I hear what you're saying about really changing the pattern of behavior because it's pattern and he feels hung over, you know, after he's done it. So that is like a beautiful example of pattern breaking frankly, even if it doesn't work every time, even if it works two out of 10 times. Amazing, amazing success. Oh, thank you. It doesn't always feel that way. And I just want to hold space for anyone listening. I want to say that it's beautiful to talk about these things and they're moving, etc. but it's very hard to be in it. It's very hard. It's very demanding. It's almost like this Olympic sport, like to, to re-teach ourselves this language. It's just, it's, it's strenuous activity of rewiring our brains not strenuous in a bad way but strenuous in a way of real like monumentous challenge Uh, to me I'm personally mostly excited by that challenge like it's the adventure of my life you know what I mean I'm like yes let's climb Mount Everest but also I think in any big monumentous challenge there are you know there are defeatist thoughts there are uh, peaks and troughs you know it's not easy it's, it's not, not. I mean, we are running like an ultra marathon every day. It is literally emotional fitness. And so it requires a mental and emotional workout on a daily basis. And it's very easy for us to slip back into our old habits because we're like, oh my goodness, this takes forever. And it's so hard. And I'd rather just yell because I feel so much better, you know, when I'm getting it out of my system. Um, and, and so just acknowledging that, listen, this takes immense amount of discipline and work. It is not for the faint of heart, the ability, and especially like when you're in the moment, the ability to regulate yourself when you're in a moment of anger takes a tremendous amount of courage and just like self-regulation, you know, it really does. And it requires practice, 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 practice. And I can tell you that I was, you know, similar to what you said when you we're talking about growing up and your mom saying you're an angry baby. I was also, I had, I had the anger. I had the rage, you know, mm-hmm. that would, yeah, mm-hmm. I was stoic for a long time, but then I would have like these fits of rage, of course, because what was sitting underneath was a bunch of anxiety and a bunch of, you know, lack of feeling basically. But yeah, I, uh, I, I really wholeheartedly for anybody who's listening, my heart goes out to you, but I want you to know that you're not alone. And there are many, many people who are in this journey with you. Yeah, I'm pretty much every human. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, trying, yes. to, trying to understand their emotions. It's, yeah, it's it's such a like maze, right? But um, really, do you feel like there's a before and after a little bit? I know it's a lifelong journey, but do you feel like there's a real before and after that you can paint for pi- a picture for people uh, where before understanding emotions or getting these skills of nonviolent communication and and attachment and all these different, you know, self-regulation processes and loving our emotions and accepting is what, what changes in our life when we learn the skills that you teach? I think what changes in our life is that there's an incredible amount of pride and ownership in this lifestyle, you know, that you are like, (laughs) you were almost Teflon to that judgment from, you know, your relatives or in-laws or the person at the grocery store or whatever. Uh, I think actually you, Avital, once said it to me that you feel like a pioneer, you know, and in that there's so much excitement Mm -hmm. and that's what really changes. It's like, yeah, I'm owning the fact that my child is having a meltdown in aisle four and I am literally sitting there and holding space for them and everybody around is looking and I'm like, yes, please come look Mm -hmm. because I hope that some of this energy is going out to someone else. And that's what changes, that it's not like you're doing this secretly. Oh my goodness, I don't want anyone to see that I'm not like yelling at this kid because that's the right thing to do. That you're like, yes, I'm living this life. I'm owning it and I believe in it. And I hope 
that others will join me along the way. I, I feel like it is a fun, it's like literally a paradigm shift within your own self mm-hmm. that you've entered like a new lifestyle. Yeah. I, I, I relate to that hundred percent. And I believe that, um, the mantra on the parenting junkie is to love parenting and to parent from love. I don't think you can love parenting. I don't think you can love the process if you're constantly afraid of feelings, because that's a regular day-to-day thing. And if you're trying to control them all the time, I think that's very frazzled. I mean, talk about stress. That's stressful. Yeah. When you let go of that and accept it, it's a completely different existence. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there are so many little things, like we've talked about several little things that you can do today, but there's so many little things you can do to start that process. Even just saying like, I am noticing as opposed to, you know, I'm worried. I'm noticing Mm -hmm. that I'm worried, right? Mm -hmm. I'm noticing that I'm this. I'm noticing that I'm feeling... I'm feeling this. You're putting some distance mm-hmm. between your experience and yourself, right? And if you think about it, like, who are you? Mm. You can't possibly be the thoughts you're having because you have thousands of them and they keep changing. You can't possibly be your feelings because you have thousands of those and they keep changing, right? Yeah. So who are we Like as people? We are this light-filled bundle of strengths, essentially, these resources like that we tap sometimes more than others right but we're a bunch of we're a bunch of character strengths that is who we are and i and i and again like coming back to the shift that's the shift that i've had i'm like i am um who says i am the sky but everything else is the weather i believe it's mm. uh, it's a uh, pema children uh such a beautiful saying mm. right because everything else is temporary yeah so yeah, so uh, you know, I hope that I hope that we are really able to pass that on to our kids. They know that much more than we know that. Mm. It's also the reason that we see them going through emotions so quickly and they don't hold on. Yeah. Right? They're so yeah. good at that. It's like, wait a second, why are you playing with your sibling? You were just beating each other up. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't really. Like, that was that was two minutes ago. Yeah, no baggage. (laughs) I love it. And I love that you use narrative therapy tools and um, alter ego and personalities. And, you know, I often talk in my inside of present play and inside our community, um, we talk about creating these various characters as parents, not necessarily emotion characters, but different characters that we can be. So I have Mrs. Hodgepodge, who is a very, very strict British nanny who whips my children into shape. And I have, um, all these different, um, oh, oh, what's his name? I have a really funny guy, um, Mr. Pongeri. And he he's like, a, you know, this like clumsy, you know, fumbling kind of fool type of babysitter. And my kids every single day, they're like, can you be Mrs. Hodgepodge? Can you be Mr. Pongeri? Like all these different characters. Oh my I goodness, you, do, you actually play it out with your kids? I love that. <laughs> yeah, I put on an accent and I pretend to be them. And I'm like, oh, who's your mother? How does she? How is she bringing you up? I don't understand. Why are you guys, you know, whatever. Why you guys are rude why you know and just these alter egos I always think of Beyonce getting on stage and being like Sasha Fierce I think is her alter ego we all need that all the time but then to take that even deeper into our various emotions I think that's just so brilliant and to give that to our kids it's such a it's it's you know these are tools that exist in psychotherapy in narrative therapy and all these different things we need them the most in parenting and, they, and it doesn't yeah. have to be complex, you know, go get a stuffy or a lovey or a stuffed animal yeah. for each of the emotions, like get four, that's it. Yeah. You don't need the rest, right? You get, yeah. you can get, ha- begin with happy, anger, or sadness, like begin yeah. with the basics yeah. essentially and, and worry and have your child begin to communicate with them and let them know that the reason that one of those characters might keep returning to you is because we're ignoring them. You know, we're not properly communicating with them and they might not think they're ignoring them because they're like, what are you talking about? I get angry all the time. It's like, yeah, because you're not listening to your anger. That's not what anger wants. you. That's not what Mr. Angry wants you to do. And He's so keep be, coming back until you listen until you yeah listen. keep coming yeah. back until you listen. Mr. Angry wants to tell you that your you like your boundaries have been violated, right? And obviously, you make it kid friendly and accessible yeah. to a kid at any age by using the right language. Yeah. But yeah, super easy to do can be life-changing for kids, even if they roll their eyes in the beginning. That just means either there is, they're not in the space where they want to hear it, right? 
it's not that it's like it's not necessarily that it's too cheesy for them or like they won't take to it they might not be in the space where they are connected to you right now and they want to hear it Um, however I will say again having done this with many 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 families that oftentimes they'll still absorb it Mm. And then they'll do it on their own at some other point mm. or the lesson, the lesson is there, you yeah. know, for them to use yeah. when they're ready. Yeah, exactly. You've yeah. at least given them the embedded the idea in their mind. And really, uh, thank you so, so much for all the work that you do. You know, the um, inside of present play this month, our whole focus is create peace. And I feel like we all want peace at home. That's so much of what we want. We so want to, feel peace and to do that we often try to shut down everything that is not peaceful like conflicts but conflicts Mm -hmm. are inevitable and inseparable part of every relationship and emotions that go along with conflicts and being triggered are going to come up and so I believe to create peace we need to do exactly the things that you're teaching and learn how to actively mold and shape and use those emotions listen to them in order to create that atmosphere of peace and that's why I'm extra excited to have you in present play this month. I know you're going to be coming and doing a Q&A with us and teaching us these tools on a much more practical, you know, nitty gritty level that we can really, really embed. But I also know that we can come and get more tools from you. So will you tell everyone where, where they should best go? I know that I've already mentioned the podcast and we're going to link it all up in the show notes. But what's the best place to start if someone's just thinking, okay, I've got to get a handle on this? Yeah, you know, I would thank you for asking. So I would love to... Uh, see any of you who are interested come to gozen.com that is one of the first places that you can go and you can see some of our videos that we have that you can watch with your kids or you can watch yourself you know it's interesting because we created these videos so that kids could absorb the information themselves but we have found and they've also found in research that even if a parent changes their behavior you know they did a Yale study when it comes to anxiety particularly that this can change the anxious feelings for a kid so gozen.com is the best place to go and then we have a master class that we offer for free at gozen.com forward slash master class so if you're interested in emotions and relationships with emotions and helping kids if they're feeling worse worried or if they're feeling angry, that's a great class to take. Absolutely. And I'm so excited because I'm going to be enrolling in one of your programs today. I know that that is going to be transformational for me and my son. And I'm just so grateful to you that you make your content towards kids. I, all of my content is towards parents and I know how important it is to have, you know, if you sit down and watch a video with your kid, that's an amazing experience to have together. And it really just gives you the tools. It's like handholding, you know, and I, I have to say, I have been with him to therapy and therapy is wonderful, but it's very hard to find the right therapist. It wasn't sustainable for us. It wasn't the right fit always. And I'm more excited about watching your program with him, uh, frankly. I think that's going to be much more transformational. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Definitely give us feedback. Yes. All right, Rini, thank you so much. We're going to connect very soon. Thank you. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you. Honored to have you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.